This is Mark Kelly, and I'm part of the leadership at City Church Leeds, and I want to thank you for downloading this podcast. I hope that it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. If you find these podcasts helpful, would you please consider standing with us and supporting us? For more information about this and other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net. Ask Mark if I could um, just mention the fact that uh, a year ago or so brought out a book and um, a lot of um, blood, sweat, tears, life went into this. And um, I I just want to recommend it to you because for me, uh, there's not one like it out there. And it's called Win the World or Escape the Earth. And basically, it's about what we believe about the future. And I grew up with a real sense of foreboding and doom and gloom about the future. Um, I I was influenced by a book that came out in the 70s called The Late Great Planet Earth. Um, And uh, you remember that one? (laughs) Horror story. And uh, the thing is, it keeps on being recycled. In, uh, in different ways, in, in different movies. And uh, it's, it depends much more on um, fictitious imagination than the scriptures. And I'm, I'm not saying that lightly, but I do believe our God is a God of hope and there's hope for the future. And instead of being shaped by doom and gloom and fear, God really intends our lives to be filled with hope and the future belongs to him. And uh, rather than being rescued, his glorious bride is to be victorious. And what does that look like? And so I've had to, and we've had to, because I co-wrote it with uh, my friend Tony Wastel, we've had to um, go into the scriptures and say, look, what does this actually mean? And uh, so... One of the things I say to people is that um, when I grew up, there was such a talk about who is the Antichrist. You know, name him and see if you can identify him. And for whatever reason, uh, as I was growing up, poor old Henry Kissinger was identified as the Antichrist. He was the Secretary of State for America. What he ever did to be called the Antichrist. I have no idea, but that was the general consensus. Of course, that's moved on and it's turned into Saddam Hussein and Colonel Gaddafi and anybody else that's around, and it's all fictitious nonsense. Um, And what's more, the future isn't about Antichrist, and uh, it's about Jesus Christ. When I say to people, Antichrist isn't even mentioned in Revelation, they are absolutely shocked. But it's the truth, because It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So look, I am so convinced of this message of hope that I brought some books with me, and um, they're they're 10 pounds each. And, you know, to be honest, if you can't afford one, I'd I'd rather you have one because uh, I want to have this message of hope communicated to the body of Christ. So I'm just letting you know that that is there if you want it. Um, This is the second time this year that we've been with you. So it's just great. Um, I mean, to speak, actually, it's the third time because we were also here in the 
heat of summer, remember when we honored Mark and Kathy in leadership and there was this um, raving party going on on Woodhouse Moor, I remember at the same time in competition to what was going on. Um, so it's, it's great to be in the city again. When we were here in May, um, one of the things I felt to share with you was um, the whole thing of establishing culture. Because culture determines what grows. You can have the right seed, but if the culture is not right, the seed won't grow. And when Jesus spoke about the parable of the sower, he said to his disciples, who asked him, what are you talking about? When he says a sower went forth to sow. He said in his explanation, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any parable? And it's really important that we understand and experience culture environment and atmosphere as that which causes growth to occur. And I've come to realize over these last number of years that receiving, enjoying, and leaking heaven's atmosphere is our incredible joy and privilege. And this is what God has called us all to do, is to live in heaven's atmosphere. Being seated in heavenly places is not a theological concept, or just a theological concept. It is to be a reality for God's people. Um, I didn't intend to go there, but I'm going to go. Let's go to John chapter 3 a moment, just to see a verse. just to affirm what we are seeking to establish here. John 3, verse 13. This is Jesus speaking. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. So Jesus is standing on earth. He has said, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, who is the Son of Man, who actually is in heaven. And Jesus is living on earth and enjoying a culture of another realm while living on earth. He is actually in heaven and heaven is in him because his inner world is bathed in heaven's environment and culture and as he lived in the world, so are we to live in the world. And The Christian life is really not about living by principles. I, I'm, if I'm shaking your theology, it's deliberate. 
God is not interested in giving you principles to add to your life. He's wanting us to die. Because it requires our death in order for him to impart resurrection life. He doesn't want us to have principles that are added to an old life. He wants to completely change our lives and bring us into resurrection life. And it's not about me living my life by principles. It's him living his life by the power of the Spirit. Which is a very different way of living. And if it's about me living my life by principles, I have to try harder. If it's about him living his life by the power of the Spirit, I just have to live closer. And this is the kingdom. It's a topsy-turvy way of living. It's not how earth lives. This is another culture. This is heaven's realm that's breaking into earth. But this is the future because the future belongs to heaven. Heaven is invading earth. And for us to have an effect on earth's culture, the only way that that can be transformed is if we are wedded and allied to another culture because you can't change a culture if you're wedded to a culture. You can only change a culture if you are wedded to a superior culture that has the power to transform the culture you're in. And this is what God has brought us into. He's brought us into a relationship of heaven's culture, but of course it's with heaven's people, in particularly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's establish that from Scripture, and then we can begin to build on this. Let's go to 1 John. We'll just read the first few verses. <clears throat> the first epistle of John, chapter 1, verse 1. John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that our, or some manuscripts say, your joy may be complete. So let's have a look at this word fellowship a moment. Koinonia in the Greek, koinos is common, so it means common or shared life. And we have come in by the grace of Jesus and by his revelation, what we have seen, what we have touched, what we have experienced, we have come into a shared life with the Father and the Son and also 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 13, 14, the Holy Spirit. We have come into the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. 
So this shared life with the heavenly community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the heavenly community set the culture of heaven. Having come into a shared life with them, I have now come into an embracing of heaven's culture. Having received and continuing to receive heaven's culture, I am then enabled to bring heaven's culture to the earth and see the earth be transformed by what is a superior culture in heaven. And it is what is taking place on the inside of us by receiving this culture that is the most important thing because what I become transformed by on the inside, I can bring transformation in the external realm. If I'm not transformed on the inside, I can't bring transformation in the external realm. And this fellowship, this shared life, incredibly with my perfect heavenly papa, with his son, Jesus Christ, and with the amazing creative Holy Spirit, is the inheritance of all the children of God. I have come to know each one of them, and you have the calling to know each one of them that is absolutely life-transforming, it absolutely reorganizes what our life is like, it changes our internal culture. And John, who is the apostle of the heart, he is the one that put his head on Jesus' chest, gives us this revelation of what this heavenly culture is like because he says God is love. The word that is used there, agape, is this incredible kind of love that is unconditional, ever-flowing, and not dependent on anybody else other than the one who's giving the love. So it's not human love. It's not love that is drawn out by the beauty in somebody else or something else. This is love that just flows out of the perfect heart of a perfect, loving, heavenly Father who himself is absolute love. And this love flows, and nothing you or I do can stop this flow of love because it's, it's about him, not about us. And so he is love. And heaven, because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are love, is filled with a culture of love that makes it an incredibly delightful, joyful place. No wonder John says, I want your joy to be full. Because once you come into a relationship with the one who loves you unconditionally, eternally, and is not, his love isn't dependent upon our behavior, it just releases us into a joy and releases us from striving and performance because we don't have to do anything to get it. It just keeps flowing to us. We just got to keep opening up to receive it. 
Now, once we live in this culture, we are, then have the capacity to give this culture to others. Giving people love that they didn't deserve is a fun way to live. And it's a bit shocking for them because Earth's culture isn't renowned for getting something that you didn't earn. But when you live from heaven's culture, Jesus just came and loved. Here he was living in heaven, but living on earth, and pouring out love, and giving things to people that they didn't deserve, but that's how he lived his life. Sees a woman caught in adultery and just lets her get off scot-free, gives her what she didn't deserve. Everybody thought she deserved punishment. He gave her forgiveness. Go and sin no more. And that is the way we have been treated. Every one of us that have come into Christ have appreciated that he does not treat us as our sins deserve, but he's loved us unconditionally. And when we realize he loved us when we hated him. He loved us when we were rebellious. He certainly loved me when I was rebellious. And he kept on loving me so that in the end, I just gave in. What's the point of fighting it? I, I resisted God for many years. But his love, it, it eroded my defenses. And I was only seven when I gave my life to Jesus, but I could have given my life to Jesus a whole lot sooner. But it was his love. I wanted to do my own thing. Can you believe how stupid that is? When you can have a relationship with unconditional love. And nothing we can do can turn it off. You may as well try and turn off the sun from shining. It just keeps giving out incredible light, incredible heat keeps radiating its nature. God keeps radiating his nature into the world, into our hearts, into our lives. And so we have the privilege of relationship with the perfect family. Our perfect papa his perfect Son, and His perfect Holy Spirit, all of whom are perfect love. This is what we've been brought into, a relationship with the perfect family. And my imperfection in no way messes up their family life because His love begins to transform me so that I begin to be changed from all the grottiness that I've lived in into the wholesomeness that they live in so that I can then pour out to others the love that they give me. This is the call for every child of God. Welcome 
to the perfect heavenly family. Welcome to perfect love. God intended every human being, because every human being is created in his image and was made for relationship with him. That's already been said this morning. Every human being, you look like your heavenly father, you were created in his image and likeness, and you were made for relationship, for connection with him. Everyone. So if you don't know Jesus in the room this morning, that's okay. You were created for relationship. And when we get to relate to perfect father, to this beautiful son and his wonderful Holy Spirit, it causes this incredible transformation to take place in our lives. God intended that natural family life becomes the paradigm and becomes the template and becomes the entrance point of connecting with the perfect family. So God created man and woman in his likeness. Man on his own cannot represent what God is like outside of the perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. He can. Man and woman themselves represent what God is like. And he gave them the commission to multiply. So Adam was made in the image of God. He and Eve would conceive kids. And because their Adam and Eve's relationship with God, their kids would experience what God's fathering is like because of Adam's fathering towards his kids would set them up to have a relationship with God. The challenge is that because of the entrance of sin, fathering is often a dirty word. Fathers, instead of causing people to smile, cause people to shrink back. Because the enemy knows that if he can disfigure fathers, then he can disfigure the quality of our relationship with our heavenly father because earthly fathers become the entry point into receiving what our heavenly father is like and what we do is this because of the term father we paint the face of our earthly father on our heavenly father and that's a dishonor to our heavenly father and that's why in order for us to have the relationship with our Heavenly Father, we have to respond to Him as He truly is and not to give Him attributes that are not worthy of Him. And that process sometimes involves forgiving and releasing our earthly fathers for being less than a representation of what our Heavenly Father is like. Because in God's economy, Honoring fathers and mothers is really important. Honor releases life. 
Honor your mother and father that it may go well with you and that it may live, you may live long in the land. That still exists. It's the first commandment with promise. I remember a young man coming in to see me one day. His life was a bit of a mess and he just wanted help to work it through. And so he sits and talks and shares the mess that he's in. And my first question to him, as I felt prompted by the Spirit, is, um, how is your relationship with your father? To which he says, what has that got to do with me? See, he just didn't realize that a dysfunctional relationship and a lack of honor causes our lives not to be lived in blessing. And so, even though we all have earthly fathers, all of whom, myself included, are less than perfect, it's important that our hearts, having received love from our Heavenly Father, release and forgive and bless our earthly fathers, because if we don't bless, we retain their sins. If we don't forgive, we retain their sins. And then it causes our relationship with our Heavenly Father to be somewhat skewed. God doesn't want that. He wants his love poured into our hearts so that we can love like he loves. The same is true, by the way, in terms of our relationship with Jesus, who is our older brother. That if he is our older brother and we have a dishonoring relationship, especially with older siblings, again, we can paint the picture of that relationship onto our relationship with Jesus. In the same way, I've known people who have a, a relational difficulty with the Holy Spirit who carries the feminine aspects of God because he is the nurturer. He is the comforter. He is the one who comes alongside to be with us and to guide us. And, and so often in our early lives, mothers are like that because dads go out to work and very often mums are more available to us than the dads. And if there's a dysfunctional relationship with mum, then there isn't that openness to the realm of the Holy Spirit because the natural template becomes the entry point into receiving what the perfect eternal family is like. God wants us to come into deeper relationship and even more appreciating of heaven's culture in our hearts and lives because what we live on the inside, we have the ability to give to others. And that's how Jesus lived. When the woman with the issue of blood came up to him and touched him, he knew something left him because something of heaven's culture leaked out of him because she put a demand on it. We can walk into places and change the environment and the atmosphere because of who we carry. You don't have to say a word. But because of our connection with heaven, with the perfect family, 
And because we're carrying heaven's culture, just being around us can cause people's lives to be transformed. This is before they give their lives to Jesus. Something is opened in their hearts to new possibilities because of who we carry. I believe we are to be culture changers. And if heaven's culture is what we're to live in, then it's definitely the superior culture that can change environments. It is real fun, isn't it, to be able to do this. I, I'm just so thrilled at what God is doing these days with just going into different places and seeing people's lives transformed, saying, I just want what you have. We tell the story of us taking a sabbatical seven years ago. We hadn't been in the church where we are in Leicester for over three months. And we had time before the Lord and traveling and seeking out what God is doing. We walked back into the church after just over three months away. And we hadn't said a word. This one lady who we know really well came up to us and looked at Marge and I. She says, I have no idea where you've been. I have no idea what you've done. But I want what you've got. Because culture changes you on the inside. And because it leaks out of you, it gives people an opportunity to say, what you're carrying is what I want. This, this city is set up for heaven's culture. This city is to be transformed by heaven's environment. And it doesn't come about through any other means than the people of God embracing this incredible relationship with the heavenly family out of which flows the fabulous life of God. So the culture of heaven, if God is love, the culture of heaven is many things, but the culture is filled with love, agape. God is love, he pours it out. Each person of the Godhead is involved in loving and pouring out love. You know this, this is rudimentary. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus. Jesus is God's love gift to the world. It doesn't say God was so ticked off he sent Jesus. God so loved. Look, even when we were in our messed up state, because he is love, he keeps on loving. Whatever you may feel about yourself this morning, one thing I can tell you, he just loves you. Not because of you, but because of what is coming out of his heart, because it represents his nature. So God so loves the world, he sends his love gift, Jesus, 
to the world. Jesus comes. You've got to read this one with me. John 15. This is just great. Jesus comes. In John 15 verse 9 he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide, remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is heaven on earth for Jesus because he's living bathed in his inner world with the love of his heavenly Father and what he's bathed in, he gives to the disciples around him and anybody else that's willing to receive it. So the Father loves and the, the Son loves and here's a five-star verse. Turn up Romans 5 verse 5. To show you how each person of the goddess is involved in bringing this heavenly culture of love. It'd be great to read all of Romans 5, but we can't. Let's go verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What does the Holy Spirit do? He pours in the love that comes from the Father that is communicated through the Son and by the Holy Spirit it gets poured in because the perfect family wants their culture to break into earth. And he's constantly, the Holy Spirit is constantly pouring in the love. And guys, what I've come to realize after all these years, bottom line, it's all about love. God is love. And he wants us to receive love. He wants us to be filled with love. He wants us to be shaped in our inner world by love exclusively. And then he wants to let us loose to love like he loves because the one commandment of the new covenant as opposed to the ten commandments of the old he makes it really simple and says there's this one commandment i'm going to give you which is love one another as i have loved you and the issue is it's all about love what a relief it's not about doctrine And the tragedy is that the church has made it about doctrine. If you don't believe what we believe, then we're going to judge you. And all the time, it's been about love. And the Lord is opening our hearts and opening our eyes to see that heaven's culture is not filled with doctrine. It's filled with heavenly, undescribable, beautiful love. Love is the currency of the kingdom. 
And it's this love that is being poured into our hearts by the Spirit. And it's this love that God wants to give away. For us to give away. It's really important that we understand, though, that to give it away, we've got to receive it first. Because if you try giving it away without receiving it, it's going to kill you. Because it's an impossibility. So the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, Tell us, teacher, out of all these 613 commandments that we've got, which is the old covenant distilled into every command, out of these 613 on this long piece of parchment that we've got, what is the most important of these commandments? And Jesus says, without missing a beat, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And there's one that goes along with it too, it's love your neighbor as yourself. So he doesn't miss a beat. Just affirming that it's all about love. The problem for the Pharisees is that he gives them the answer, but they haven't got the solution. Because they haven't got the wherewithal to love the Lord their God with all their heart, because he says, with your lips you worship me, but your heart is far from me. You can go through all the rigmarole of blessing the Lord with lips, but what he's after is a heart connection. How do we get a heart connection? Well, John in his epistle says it's so easy because we know what love is because he first loved us. I've got to receive it before I can give it. And instead of trying to make it happen by hearing the principle and putting the principle into operation, God wants us to be soaked and bathed and filled in heaven's realm and to enjoy it. I want you to do nothing and enjoy it. I just want you to sit there and let me love you. Oh, Lord, let me do something for you. No, I just want you to sit there and enjoy it. And we're so programmed for busyness and we're so programmed for activity. We go, oh, give me a job, give me a job. And God says, I just want you to sit there and enjoy it. Love my love. Let my love transform you from the inside out. This is why he talked about abiding. This is why he tells them about loving one another. One commandment, this one commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. And he's, he's talking in the upper room and he says, let us arise from here. So they're in the upper room. Let us arise? Where do you go from the upper room? Well, on top of the upper room, on top of every house, is the roof terrace. 
because the sun is so hot in that Middle Eastern environment, on top of the roof terrace, on every roof terrace, in order to give shade, is a vine. And on the roof terrace above the upper room, with the vine hanging over them, he says, I am the true vine. And he gives them a biology lesson. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it is part of the vine, neither can you. Connected to the vine, allowing the life that's in the vine to flow through the branch, it's that abiding, that connectedness, that intimacy, that flow of divine life from the true vine that causes our lives to produce fruit. It's not about busyness. It's not about activity. It's about intimacy. It's about love. It's about staying close. It's about keeping connected. And just in case you think there's any other alternative, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so this abiding, this intimacy, for us, certainly since the time of our sabbatical, has come to a heightened expression. And that's why that lady said to us, whatever's happened to you, I want what you've got, because we became reconnected in a deeper way. We became more intimate than we'd ever become with Jesus. We discover the metaphor of soaking which is just another way of saying abiding, staying close, staying intimate, letting the flow of life of God take place. But soaking, of course, refers to a sponge. And if I'd had a sponge here this morning, I could demonstrate to you that when it's not wet, you don't want to be rubbed by a sponge. It's a, an abrasive experience. But if you immerse that sponge in water, this is especially true of natural sponges, you know, the stuff that they get in the Mediterranean and cut off the seafloor. Once you get a natural sponge and it's soaked in water, and once then you can put that on you, it's so soft, it's so tender because it's soaked. What's more, with like with any sponge, it becomes so saturated in water that you just give it a little squeeze and guess what comes dripping out of it? It is what it's been immersed in. God wants us to be so soaked in what he's soaked in Agape love, 
that when the world gives us a little squeeze, when, when we meet that person who is not quite yet sanctified, and they have this little influence into our soul, if we remain soaked, that we can leak heaven's environment. So that Jesus says, bless those that persecute you. He didn't say punch them. Didn't say react to them. But we leak what we live in. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have doctrine. I don't think so. That you have love for one another. This soaking is absolutely transformed my wife. I can share this here because it happened here. Because I was asked to come here to be a leader in the church in the middle 80s. Because we were engaged to be married, Marge came along too. All she'd ever known was being in the church in Bradford, where she'd got saved into, and where she knew everybody. Oh, lots of people. Because of her love for me and deciding to share her life with me, she makes the trek to this wonderful metropolis called Leeds. She didn't know anybody. And suddenly she is catapulted into a profile because we're about to be married that she never had before where she could enjoy her anonymity. You don't know this, but every Sunday when we would come, she'd take my hand and would say, don't leave me. how in the world was I supposed to function with her saying don't leave me and so I could see these pretty blue eyes looking at me through the meeting pleading that at the end don't go walking off and doing your quote pastoral stuff around the room and leaving me to be there with all these people that I don't know. That lady 
that existed no longer exists. Because I have seen her utterly transformed to become a radiant daughter because of the love of her father. I have seen her emerge, not a scaredy cat, but as a formidable lioness. I've seen her stand and confront and roar and declare with boldness that a time just caused me to think, who in the world did I marry? <laughs> but I understand that it's not just her. It's what perfect love has done. Because if he is the line of the tribe of Judah, and he is, and if he has all authority in heaven and earth, and he does, and if we are destined to be conformed to his image, where he so lives in the love of his father that he is utterly confident to be who his father has made him, then this transformation by love is to work through every one of our hearts and lives to produce holy boldness like has happened in my wife. In this internal culture of heaven is what our society needs. They don't need more programs. They really don't need more principles. They certainly don't need more preachers. They require the presence of him who is perfect love. That brings transformation to lives and rewires them right so that they can function as the awesome people that God intended them to be. We won't go there in the scriptures, but you probably are aware that in Ezekiel 47, there is this picture that Ezekiel sees of the temple of God with water trickling out of it. And the further from the temple you get, the deeper the water becomes. This is a supernatural flow because this doesn't happen naturally. If you get a trickle, then because the soil just loves to suck in the water, if you start with a trickle, you're going to end with nothing naturally. But this is a supernatural flow that it starts with a trickle and it gets deeper and deeper. What you have in your life, you might think, is just a trickle. But I want you to know it has the capacity to change and transform the environment of the world around you. 
This river gets deeper and deeper so that supernatural things begin to happen. So that the, the trees that are drinking from this water produce fruit not once a year, but every month. Brings transformation in people's lives. Incredible fruitfulness comes from this water that is emitted by the temple. The reality is, individually, we are all temples of the Holy Spirit. This culture of heaven, as we drink of him, as we receive from him, as we become bathed in this culture of heaven's love, so fills us up that even though it's just a little seeping, it has the capacity to change the culture. It is the capacity for life to come where there has been death. Because this water goes into the desert, the place where there isn't much growth, and suddenly the desert blossoms. It goes into the place where there are trees, but the trees bring forth abundant fruitfulness. What we are carrying, if we will keep coming to him and drinking and receive him, as the capacity to change a nation. Look, if one life can be changed, many lives can be changed. If many lives can be changed, a city can be changed. If a city can be changed, a nation can be changed. Can a nation be born in a day? Absolutely. But it starts with this connection to the eternal family. Where what is in the Father becomes in me, what is in the Son becomes in me, what is in the Spirit becomes in me, and I get filled up and filled up so that I leak. And if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. Because I am a son of God, you are a son of God, this is your destiny too. In establishing this culture, Once it's established in our hearts and lives, more happens by accident than ever happened before by design. Because there's just flow. It's just life. I drink, I leak. I drink, and I leak. I drink. I leak some more. Drinking is really important. Because he's given us the spirit to drink. Which means that all I require is thirst come and drink of him. I want more of you. To help us in our drinking, Marge downloaded an app. It's called a drinking app. And uh, our friend who pastors a church in Germany, he had this on his 
laptop, his iPhone, whatever it was, in German. And he's got it set for every hour. And so it goes off. And in German, es ist Zeit, etwas zu trinken. It is time to drink something. And so Marge downloaded this and got it in English while we were dropping our youngest off in Germany in the summer because he's relocated there. So have you got that to give this a, a whirl? Go ahead. See if you can hear it in English. It's time to drink. So, this, this app was set up to keep people hydrated. It was set up for, it's time to drink. Cheers. But just like we have learned as adults, that we don't need people to teach us to drink because we have the capacity to drink. Same as sons of God, we have the capacity to drink of the Spirit and drink of His love. But sometimes we need reminding it's time to drink because we can go through life and not drink enough water and we can go through life and not drink enough of the Spirit. So because Marge had this app on her iPad, um, Driving back from Germany because we, we took his contents in a van, make sure that he doesn't come back. So we took, <laughs> we took all the stuff in a white van and, and, and drove there and we came back empty driving this van. And uh, driving through all these countries, you know, he's Germany and then you go Holland and then you go to Belgium and then you go to France and then you come up from the south and drive up to the Midlands and every hour this thing goes off and it's time to drink. The journey back through Holland and Belgium was a whole lot more wonderful than the journey going there because we were driving and drinking. And it's okay to drive and drink of the Spirit. But our lives were meant to be drinking of him and to be bathed in our inner world in heaven's realm. We were made for love. You were wired for love. You were made to receive and to give and to be famous for love. And God is setting us up. We just sense it as a couple that he's setting us up to be famous for love. Of all the things we could be famous for, he's saying, I want you to be famous for love. I know I've taken a lot of your time. I'm going to tell one more story here. It's nearly 25 years ago now, which is just amazing. But because it happened here, I want to share this with you. <clears throat> I felt the Lord speak to me when I was involved in leadership here to take the congregation through an understanding of the purposes of God by working through the book of Ephesians. Remember, wow, 
He's still bearing the scars. <laughs> still got the folder, huh? And um, I thought I would do it quite quickly, but you know, the more you get into something like the book of Ephesians, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper and greater and greater. And so it took a while, much, much longer than I thought, to go through Ephesians. And it was rumored that it was a longer running series than Dallas. <laughs> it's probably true. And I remember we were meeting at um, the Brunswick building at that time. Remember that? And this one Sunday, we'd come to Ephesians 3, where Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family on earth derives its name. He goes on to say that he might give you the Spirit so that you might know how high and deep and wide and long is the love of God and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you being rooted and grounded in love might have the comprehension along with all the saints and as I'm speaking I just experienced a closeness and a anointing of the Spirit that came upon that part that I hadn't experienced in other weeks. And I knew that the Lord was opening a door for me of where he was taking me. That he was taking me deeper into his love his unconditional love, his unconditional acceptance, and that he was wanting it to bathe my heart and to transform my life and for me to be on a lifelong journey of discovery how high and how wide, how long and how deep is this love and to know this love that surpasses knowledge far better than knowledge that you might be filled to the fullness of God and being filled to the fullness of God doesn't come about by studying doctrine it comes about by experiencing love just to say I'm not antagonistic to doctrine but I just don't want it to be in the wrong place because it's all about love and that day in the Brunswick building I stepped into divine destiny as I'm speaking out of the scriptures. But I want to say in this room today that that divine destiny wasn't just for me. Because this was the context, City Church leads, that that word came. And even though 20 plus years has elapsed, I want to prophetically declare to you today that this is the context of your lives, that you are on this journey of discovery of how high and how deep 
and how wide and how long is this love of God that you might be filled with this love that's better than knowledge that you might be conformed to the fullness of who God is if he is love he wants love to fill us and the reason he wants love to fill us is that there's a wonderful city out there that is crying out for love and it believes that it has fulfillment in other things and it's rapidly running out of the options right now but it's looking for a people that will be the temple of God that Ezekiel says that it might just be a little trickle at first but what is coming out is for the blessing and healing and wholeness of the peoples around city church this is your destiny to be bathed in love to be shaped by love to be known as recipients of love drinkers of love abiding in love that out of you might pour forth love that you might become famous for love that love might fill this city I believe God is raising up other congregations in the city as well not just city church but city church you have a part to play a real important part to play in bringing healing to this city in causing that which has been barren to burst into life causing that which has borne no fruit to bear fruit every month because of love that is poured into you and is poured out from you I believe the Lord is reminding you of your destiny for you to pick it up for this is an incredibly high calling my highest calling is not as an apostle my highest calling is to love as a son He's called me into sonship that I may represent what my perfect Papa is like. There's a high calling on your lives. And I believe today it's time to reconnect so that you're living in the heavenly calling, in the heavenly culture, and letting it ooze and flow and transmit to the world around you. Do you have that song ready? You got that song ready? We're going to do some soaking. Just a moment. On a song. To receive. I want us just to receive right now. Not go and do, not jump into activity. But I just want us to receive. It's a song by Matt Redman. And so let's just open up our hearts. Holy Spirit, we just open up our hearts. You who pours in the love that comes from the Father, that comes through the Son, we just ask that you would pour this incredible agape love into our hearts so that we can be filled with your love and be who you've intended us to be we open up to you right now take down all the barriers you're such a safe place we open our hearts to receive what you want to give us in love okay
songs Listen to a thousand tongues But there is one that sounds above them all The Father's song, the Father's love You sung it over me and for eternity It's written on my heart Heaven's perfect melody The Creator's symphony You are singing over me The Father's song Heaven's perfect mystery the King of Love has sent for me And now you're singing over me The Father's song I have heard so many songs Listen to a thousand tongues But there is one Sounds above them all Sounds above them all The Father's song, the Father's love You sung it over me and for eternity It's written on my heart Heaven's perfect melody
you know, put your hand on your heart a moment. So this day I release divine destiny over you. To be bathed in love. To experience love. That your inner world might be shaped and formed by love alone. I give you permission as often as you want to drink of the love that comes from your Father through Jesus poured into your heart by his Spirit. I call you into your high calling to be loved. I call you to be the awesome sons of God that you were intended to be. To abide in love just like our wonderful Jesus abided in his Father's love. I release you to leak. I release you to overflow. I release you to bless out of the abundance of what is poured into your own heart. I release you to bring heaven's environment to this incredible city. May you raise up, be raised up to be priests to our God that bless, that bring his blessing and bless all those that are around. Magnificent sons who represent what their father is like and are famous for love. Father, I just ask that your design and blueprint on this magnificent family will be outworked in a heightened way in these days and weeks and months to come. Let heaven's environment invade their hearts and pour out to this city. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just as Mark comes, I have one, I have one word that God dropped into my heart. I don't understand it, so I'm just going to say it. Because I want to pray for you if this means anything to you. God dropped into my heart as I was just saying, Lord, who do you want me to minister to today? He just dropped the word rehab. I don't even know what that means for you. If anybody is either experiencing or understands what rehab is about, I'd like to pray for you today because God wants you restored. Come to me at the end. Can we show our appreciation to Ian and Marge? Thank you so much, Ian. Thank you for the word you brought this morning. By giving thanks to Ian, we've also given thanks to Jesus because he put those words in his heart to bring.